Hello, everybody. Excuse me while I make some clunky sounds here. I'm just packing a bowl. This is Steve. Uh, welcome once again to Fake the Wake Podcast. I want to say this is episode 77, so uh, we're slowly closing in on 100 episodes. Probably get there before the end of the year here. If you're new, this is Baked and Awake. We're a podcast about cannabis and conspiracies, so uh, prepare to engage in some light safety meeting type activities, aka getting high. Uh, you should definitely pack it up, load something up if you're not ready to rock, hit pause, get your act together, come on back. We're not marked explicit on iTunes, so I might be playing with fire here. I've been doing it for going on two years now, but... You might hear the occasional curse word. Try not to get too upset. I really don't, you know, go too nuts in that regard. So, all right. Um, welcome back to those of you who are returning for part two of the NORB theory. The NORB theory is a hybrid flat earth, globe earth, cosmic egg type geocentric, syncretic model of the universe. And that's a lot of jargon to drop on you, you know, two minutes into a podcast when we haven't even really smoked yet. Um, so let's let's remedy that first off and just take a quick puff because, my goodness, it's 8.30 a.m. and I haven't wake and baked yet. Here on a beautiful Seattle summer day, about to be early summer, about to be 90 degrees today. Don't worry, though, I got a kiddie pool set up yesterday afternoon in the backyard, so we're going to be able to cool off this afternoon. Last episode was part one of the NORB theory and an introduction to this very interesting NORB theory model that I was put onto by a uh, internet friend, Stellium7, not that long ago, and uh, which I've been just really loving and watching over and over again. There's short versions of this video and long versions of this video and addendums to it where they break the theory down to varying degrees of thoroughness there's really there's like a six minute highlights only video that still is a great synopsis of the of the theory that you can watch first when when you get to the um norbs world youtube channel as always everything we talk about on the show will should be well represented in the show notes the best place to get the show notes is at bakedandawake.com always um, you'll see versions of the show notes everywhere you happen to encounter the podcast, but sometimes hyperlinks don't work. Sometimes formatting doesn't hold up, you know, in different far-flung corners of the internet as as it gets pushed out by my host, Libsyn. So, um, you know, and I would love to know anytime if you guys see a profoundly broken version of the notes somewhere, wherever that may be, whether it's like iHeart or a Podbean or, or some other uh, podcatcher of some kind, I would probably appreciate knowing about that. Just in case there's something I can go and look at with respect to that given platform and figure out a way to package those notes better for them so that they render more correctly. But in the meantime, always, I mean, our, our internet home is bakedinawake.com. It'll be there when all the Facebooks and Twitters and everything else have fallen to dust. Probably not, but I hope. I'm trying. I'm paying that bill anyway. Put it that way. All right. And it's there for you. Show notes are there. Every episode is there. Um, a blog I haven't updated a whole ton is there, but, you know, I mean, there's potential for more content coming there as well if you're a, a reader and you like to do that kind of thing. Um, 
There's ways to support the show, etc. So check out bakedinawake.com. If you find broken notes somewhere and they're horrible, unusable, um, but that's your podcast catcher that you really like consuming from, please let me know. The way to do that is probably email. So talk to us at bakedandawake.com. All right. Um, so let's get back into the Norb theory. If you're totally out, you know, in left field still right now, and you're like, what the hell have I come in on? Go back at least one episode, listen to part one of the Norb theory here on, on the Baked and Awake uh, feed, uh, and that'll get you really up to speed for what we're about to jump into here. So we wrapped last week with note seven. I think in my notes here and we were understanding in the model that during the transition between ripples slash epochs these are time ripples or eras energy ripples at the center of the axis mundi or the zero point axis of this model um, this is kind of like the big bang pulse this is kind of like the initial point of infinite density then unfolding as a seed of life a flower of life a pattern of life into into the universe um, in between those ripples the then currently preeminent race and realm experience cataclysms of varying sorts Okay, again, you got to go back to last week. I'm not recapping all this stuff, or last episode. I'm not recapping all this stuff for you guys. I did it last episode. So if you're still confused, go back. During these cataclysms, invariably, there is a great loss of life, followed by a long and laborious rebuilding period, during which mankind is seemingly forced to endure a new Stone Age. And then, hopefully... They make it <laughs> to continue on through iron, bronze, silver, and golden ages of development. With the golden ages being something, I, I'm not sure here. Maybe this is my me painting a picture of it, but something resembling the height of late 18th and 19th century culture, civilization society i guess to a lesser degree especially in so-called like western you know arenas western cultures um and i noted here oh wow yep every week every week we hit the mic stand at least once everybody the boom our own beloved industrial technologically driven 20th and 21st centuries probably actually represent post peak human development in a lot of ways um but crucially also when viewed through the lens of the cosmic 24,000 year epoch calendar and cycle so um so again that was a review for where we wrapped up last week and picking up we go back to the model and the cataclysm has occurred an epoch is concluded is everybody dead and gone probably not but they're in a new place they've been displaced they're pushed further from the zero point axis probably to a lower energy outer ring and if you think of 
energetic fields and magnetic fields and things like that, you know, the source, excuse me, source, <laughs> the source and point of origin of a, you know, electrical force, whatever it may be, is going to be more intense, right? And this likewise fire, right? We we have a comfortable distance from which we stand around the campfire, and then there's the distance at which you will begin to singe your shoes and eyelashes and eyebrow hair if you stay too close, and then you get much closer than that, you're going to get burned, right? Um, but there's that happy medium in the middle, right? You go a little bit further out from this from the comfortable spot and of course you begin to enjoy less and less of the benefit of the source energy of that campfire so each new epoch becomes each new realm that emanates from the zero point access in the bloop when it pulses outward that becomes like the new garden of eden that becomes the new high-energy, fully empowered, enlightened sphere. Um, the pole star, Polaris, Neptune, and Uranus were the primordial solar system and celestial sources of light and radiation into which the Polarians, the first so-called human race, came into existence and they existed in that kind of semi-astral semi-material state which definitely sounds pretty out there i understand at any rate the polarians that source that seed of humanity chose to generate to create the hyperborean human incarnation into the material realm. This was their way of experiencing a material existence. They also sort of created the material realm within which the hyperboreans were to exist. Now, that makes the hyperboreans epoch two, ring, ring one, epoch two. Zero point access, ring one. Ring one is your hyperboreans. I mentioned last episode, the Hyperboreans, I have a feeling, are the epoch during which humanity, regular people who, like, we still see today and who, you know, um, continued on through successive ripples and epochs, that humanity would have encountered and preserved a memory of many unusual beings and seeming races, each epoch has a core base so-called primary race or master race or whatever they want to call it i hate that term every single one of those epochs also has sub races and mixed races as well and i think that the hyperborean era was typified by these long-lived large vigorous beings of varied forms some of which might have resembled things like what mythology hands down to us as giants, cyclopses and medusas, titans, sea monsters even, 
mythical beings with animistic characteristics, maybe our chimeras and griffins and things. Um, elves. Fairies. Dwarves and gnomes, all those guys, kind of guys. Goblins, right? Many of these things may have... Things. Beings may have existed at one point in time. And as epochs waxed, waned, and were laid waste in cataclysms, the vast, vast majority of these beings perished. Any last survivors, any revenants of the prior race would have, of necessity, probably gone to ground, would seek to put themselves at that point in a, in a circumstance that they deemed safer to continue to exist. Because at that point, they're survivors and refugees and no longer looking around and seeing the world that they were used to, that they had lived in, that their families and ancestors had lived in. The skies might be different. The land masses might appear greatly changed. Climate could change drastically, forcing certain types of beings to move north or south or wherever was more amenable to their individual constitutions. Those outer rings, I can't help but imagine as being cooler, colder, lower, energetic, sort of realms at this point and and ever increasingly so so you know again some of those beings might have accidentally or intentionally managed to survive their respective cataclysms living on into the new realm some of them being again vigorous and perhaps large long-lived beings possessed of great wisdom and skills they might very well have become legendary figures to the humans who were to suddenly appear this new race in the new epoch. Could these not be our Toths? Could these not be our Osiruses? Could these not be our Apollos? Are Hercules a little better? Gilgamesh? Goliath? King Og? I named her already, but Medusa? I don't know. It's rampant speculation, so. Ah... Uh. The Hyperboreans gave way to their successors in time, the Lemurians. The Lemurians, like the Hyperboreans before them, um, also, you know, are thought to and 
sort of imagined because like we have to kind of it's uh, we have like a cultural memory loss and we have blank spots in history and we have history that's been changed and obfuscated and tailored for every region of the world so you know we imagine these people from distant times to have potentially been again somehow more vigorous and long-lived than we are today we've got all these biblical and scriptural accounts fairly well documented of extended lifespans in humans in the past and um you know at in a certain way all this talk of our modern lives being shorter and, and our bodies being weaker somehow um you know, we're all soft and need to live inside and have polar fleece all the time and, you know, <laughs> uh, advanced, expensive hiking boots to go out and run around in the woods. We need to eat and poop and mostly die early anyway. And it's all quite depressing in a way. It seems to indicate, you know, that we as a species are somehow lowering our frequency in a sense. Um, maybe even with each subsequent epoch and incarnation I don't know that's something perhaps to ponder another day as I don't wish to really concede outright defeat on that front already I don't think any of the previous root races for all their inherent magic has between them a single Honda motorcycle so far as I know and as far as I'm concerned because of that they can all go kick rocks I'll take my mere regular human Atlantean epoch anytime because bikes and now you remember for a moment that I'm a real person as well and have interests how quaint probably kind of annoying to some of you, you probably don't give a shit or even want to hear about that so sorry back to Norb so the Lemurian epoch 24,000 years in duration it was associated with its own solar system all right, different than Polaris, Neptune, and Uranus. The Lemurians, their solar system was dominated by Mars and Venus. Those, like the celestial bodies before them, are actually said, according to the Norb theory, to have been one body at first and are referred to as androgynous, only to split into two bodies at the time of their closure of their epoch. Probably would have been a terrifying... Uh, sight to see your one and only light source in the sky somehow go through a horrifying transformation and transition and be joined now by a second body, probably with the original body greatly diminished in intensity and size. Um, so those bodies split into two. Their epoch comes to a close. Cataclysm, weeping, gnashing of teeth, and they themselves are displaced to a now suddenly outer realm they experience their own pole shift event the catastrophes could be flood they could be fire they could be both atmospheric all of the above now those Lemurian survivors minuscule in numbers though they were nevertheless likely transmitted all that they still knew about the universe as they understood it 
to the first of the Atlanteans, the progenitors of our current epochs, modern human subraces. Those being black African, who have characteristics, myths, and beliefs that connect back to the Hyperborean root race. Asiatic, yellow kind of skinned races. Um, those people are said to have a connection, again, physical and cultural, to the next era, the next epochs, the Lemurians root race. Indo-Asians, brown people of uh, the Indian tradition, who trace their lineage partially to their ancestors, the Atlanteans. They're said to be our root race, and, and all of us indeed are said to be most closely connected to the Atlanteans. And finally, the epoch and era which has already supplanted us, the Aryan, supposedly white Caucasian in appearance. with a few others, depending on how you want to differentiate between people, additional races, but those are kind of the root races of humanity right now. And again, I know that it could obviously be strongly and, uh, you know, uh, passionately argued that race is a construct and we're all the same and we can all interbreed and make babies together. I got you, I'm with you, we're looking at a universal world theory here that happens to address humans along with the fish tank that we're in. Don't trip. Again, these terms are in no way being used to establish any race of people as being superior to any other, or to imply any distinction that goes beyond superficial outward appearances and a very few other physical traits that tend to be associated with one or the other of the named groups. We're all human. We all originate from the same source race. And again, in the context of this model, all right, the astral in nature, Polarians, although we respectively also have connections to the previous root races to varying degrees. Okay, intermarriage and mixing of cultures has always taken place and is to be understood to be completely natural. Now, getting a little closer to our own era. The Atlantean Epoch began 30,000 years ago and got its own shiny new celestial body. Soul. The sun. Or, in ancient traditions, Apollo. At some point during the epoch, Apollo was joined by Artemis, or Luna, the moon. Many traditions record and tell of a time before the moon was here on Earth. Mostly, verbal traditions from indigenous peoples around the world. See Australian mythology from the Australian Aborigines and see Native American mythologies. But they record a time, a period of human existence when the sun was still, like its predecessors, a single celestial 
that later birthed the moon. So, wait, Steve, did you just say 30,000 years ago? Does that mean that we're already past our epoch? Are we dead then? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? I think the weed is getting to you, bro. Speaking of which, weed. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, yes, of course, it is getting to me, but no. Yes, we are past our epoch. Yes, our Atlantean era has come and gone. Something like 6,000 years ago, the Aryan epoch began. When the zero-point axis rippled again and birthed their realm. We are already moving away from the center of the axis of the Tree of Life. Okay, more on that in a moment. We're going to shift focus to the cosmic calendar or astrological clock represented in microcosm by the 12 months of the year. Now, never mind the fact that two of these months were invented out of whole cloth a mere few thousand years ago and shoehorned into the existing year, but you know all about that, right? Vedic texts and Greek mythology both describe in detail the major part of the cosmic calendar, breaking the epochs we've been discussing into four successive ages called yugas, or simply the four ages of man by the Greeks. These are represented in symbolic form by the four seasons of summer, which would map to a golden age, or satya yuga, autumn, silver age, treta yuga, Winter, the Bronze Age, Dvapara Yuga, and Spring, an Iron Age, slash Kali Yuga. You've heard that one before, haven't you? Each full epoch, that 24,000-year cycle we're talking about, is divided up into eight Yuga Ages. Therefore, each Yuga Age is 3,000 years. Out of every eight yugas, five are actually golden ages, and they are successive. This will be per realm. Each realm will experience their own ages and continues to do so. They're successive because they correlate with the sun's position in the heavens as it makes its way through our own microcosmic 365-day year. Overall, more light and higher vibrational frequency in the summertime makes for a higher energetic and healthier beings, and in the case of humans, greater consciousness and mass spiritual awakening may be noticeable side effects of living during a golden age or satya yuga, or, crucially, during times of transition from a lower vibrational yuga era to a higher one. So, going from iron to bronze, or from bronze to silver, or from silver to golden. I'm doing a really poor job of summarizing what is very beautifully illustrated by the animations that accompany the Norb Theory content, the audio content. All right? It's a, you know, 
very well done multimedia presentation with beautiful music that, if I'm not mistaken, is tuned to the positive vibrational 432 hertz as opposed to our common pop music radio broadcast station standard 440 hertz that we mostly listen to today. Uh, and beautiful animations that show from a whole bunch of angles and forward and backward and at varying degrees of zoom what is being described by all this stuff that I've been talking about. Um, I really think that at this point, if you've listened to the last episode on this topic, you should know that the NORB theory seeks to reconcile several seemingly conflicting models of how the universe works into a big, happy, agreeable whole that sort of allows for most of the proponents of our leading theories to be able to grasp onto something and say, well, this is part of my model. This is what I understand to be true. And maybe find a way for these two, two, you know, these two, three models to also then from that place of unique perspective that is provided by the NORB theory video to say, wow, I've never seen the places where these could come together the way I'm being shown them now. Um, so I really have said it repeatedly. Please check out the NORB theory video, whether the short one or the longer one. What I'll do today with this episode is I'll rework the notes from last episode and um, put a more streamlined list of the links uh, and titles to the various versions of the NORB theory video that are out there. I haven't really seen any reaction videos or rebuttal videos to it yet. Maybe there are some out there, um, and maybe I should check those out. But um, as yet, I have not. I, I've just, as I said, been spending time with the content itself, which I urge you to do as well. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the NORB theory. I don't know how much more justice I can do it, you know, sitting here trying to spell out with just my voice what is done much better by the presenter themselves in the in the video this was my way however of passing it along it's got me looking at you know it's got me looking at stuff from a different perspective once again and it's got me as i've been forced to time and again with like the flat earth stuff i run into out there on the internet there's a lot of kooks like there are with almost everything I look into and research, that includes, you know, UFOs and aliens, that includes, um, you know, the whole Grand Tartaria mud flood theory, that includes mysterious disappearances and deaths of historical figures we've talked about in, in different episodes at different times in the past. It includes all of it. Like it's, it's Cookville we inhabit out here. But there's a lot of really compelling head-scratching 
points and proofs shown by various flat earth researchers that seriously give pause to any person who's willing to just set aside what they think they know, which I stipulate most of us don't know half of what we think we know. All right. And the other the other minority of us who might know a little something still come into almost everything with a whole train car full of biases and convictions and expectations with almost anything that challenges our worldview like something like flat earth does. I get it. You you got to reject it out of hand as just super dumb and ridiculous and just not to be given the time of day. Felt the exact same way. I'm still not walking around town wearing a water finds its level t-shirt or anything like that trying to start conversations with strangers in lines at the DMV about <laughs> where we think we live. Okay, I'm a ways away from there. But what I'm not going to do is laugh at people who want to talk about something like the universal model from a standpoint of openness and wonder and possibility. So, yeah, Norb Theory. Check it out. Please, goodness gracious, message me and let me know what you think after you check it out. Not after you check out my episodes about it, because, come on, that sucks. The content itself is what we need to get back to talking about. And that could make for some really fun afterward commentary, you know, to come. Uh, you know, hit me up, talk to us at bakedandawake.com, and might share some of the highlights of our discussion about it later on. Okay, so uh, let's let's switch gears. We'll smoke a little more here together, everybody, and we're going to wind it down um, really quickly. But I wanted to close out with uh, just some like uh, like unscripted chat with you guys. Um, I wanted to let you know that I'm getting really frustrated and tired of Facebook. I'm really close to signing off of Facebook in like almost all capacities. So I guess this is just my request. As I've made in the past, I haven't made a lot of progress on this uh, with folks, or at least I haven't you know, gotten a lot of engagement back on this up to this point in time. But Guys, it's 2019, and if you haven't noticed how fucky Facebook and the social media platforms have been, are being, and will continue to be with your data, your privacy, your very life, then, you know, I don't know how to help you anymore on that front. It's fucked, though, and we're the product, as they've always said. Um, we're food. So I'm kind of getting close. I don't think I'll make it through 2019 on Facebook in most capacities. Maybe I will leave a vestigial Baked and Awake page of some kind as a way to push content out to that, you know, endpoint. But I'm hoping that anybody who's listening to this, if you're within the sound of my voice, go to bakedandawake.com sometime today and sign up for the mailing list. 
not going to spam you. I'm not going to send you coupons for things or exhort, you know, you to support this or that or the other. I'm simply trying to make sure that I have a way of reaching out to my actual core audience in the future as some of these social media platforms, as some of these content distribution platforms like YouTube, which is also being really shitty to content creators. And, you know, all the right-wingers are convinced it's all just them who are being banned, censored, and kicked off of platforms. All the so-called left-wingers, same deal. They're fucking with everybody, y'all. If you're speaking truth from any position and it goes against the prevailing worldview and narrative that our like mainstream primary sources of information want handed down, you're going to have a bad time. Okay? Um, I don't put myself in the category of all these big disruptive truthers and researchers that are out there that have real audiences. I don't think I'm being censored or shadow banned or suppressed in any real heavy way. Maybe I am algorithmically on very subtle levels that I have no awareness of because they're so nefarious and effective. Or maybe I just have a really small audience that's just ever so slightly growing, I hope, month to month. Either way, we're going to try to still be here. Uh, that was my heads up about Facebook. Make your way to bakedinawake.com, though, and support the show sometime if you want to on a one-time basis. You can do so by visiting and grabbing something at the Tea Public shop, too. Next episode, I think I'm going to do a little bit of a garden update for you guys for what's going on around the house here. We do have some cannabis news, like I alluded to last episode, with regard to, um, you know, the continuing progression of the descheduling of cannabis here in the United States. And I want to do a little bit more research and understanding what the real reality of that is, because there's a lot of stuff written on paper right now, but I don't know what that means in terms of day-to-day -day, uh, livability with it and what's going to happen business-wise and industry-wise in the coming, you know, in the remainder of 2019 and in the coming year in 2020. So um, might even, you know, sit down with one of my more cannabis business savvy friends, <coughs> Josh Kincaid, um, sometime soon and uh, see if we can't get some insight on that front for you guys. All right. Let me know, too, what you want to hear about next. Would love, like I said, to hear from you about Norb Theory and have some postscript comments about folks' impressions of the video after they've checked it out. Yeah, and I hope any dads listening to this in my uh, little group here in this little family have a great Father's Day coming up in the next few days. Um, love you guys. Really appreciate you hanging out with me once again. Let's go out with a puff and some tunes from my friend Auntie Luode. Fine, fine musical artist. Provided us with many instrumentals. And we'll get together right here again real soon. You smoke some indica and do shit anyway.